0: Okay, so on the question of immigration, I tend to think that generally when we speak about uh, racism, uh, issues around discrimination, issues around uh, white supremacist perceptions, um, we are talking about different manifestations of often the same thing, the same thrust, the same dehumanizing exercise. Uh, And in this process, language plays a real uh, pivotal role. Uh, And by language, I mean the words that I used. Um, So I tend to agree with Cabello because we share a very similar experience no matter where on the continent you're from, because again, like he said, your individuality is stripped. So when I came here, I came here to be in Canada uh, as an international student. Um, I came as someone who was here to study uh, who was paying to study um, often more than the people who are from here uh, to study. And, but the reaction I got from people when I told them where I was from was that, oh, um, you're an immigrant. Oh, are you a refugee? Oh, is there a war in Ghana? You know, that the reality of my individual Ghanaian experience was stripped away for a story, a proxy. Of, of an immigrant, which is more comfortable to the way that we should be perceived because it's more you know dehumanizing and again. And not to say that they're, no, they're not problems in Ghana, not to say that they're not problems in the African continent. Of course, it's not what we're talking about. We're talking about a deliberate exercise to create an impression, to dehumanize. Um, so that was part of my experience. There's a lot of explaining that comes with it. Uh, there's a lot of having to describe Uh, and use um, means to kind of express to people that you are also human. And this is a very tiring thing. And I think this is what covert racism, so-called covert racism does as well.
1: First of all, uh we are so glad this is happening we will have really amazing and special guests who will be joining us today so this is Kabelo, founder and director of an art space in south africa and organizer of cultural events and also creator and he will be discussing with Keisan um who will be joining us today uh and this is the stage name uh, of a Canadian born Canadian singer and songwriter, producer and artist. So thank you so much for being here. Uh, We really appreciate that.
2: So we would love to start our discussion uh, with a quote from Vaifennan that says Uh, When we revolt, it's not for a particular culture. We revolt simply because, for many reasons, we can no longer breathe. Uh, And now I would love to give the floor to Cabello and start the discussion.
3: Um, Greetings, everyone. Good evening and uh, good afternoon, Kay. Uh, First of all, I would uh, really, really like to uh, thank Keisan for taking uh, his time aside to join us uh, on this amazing project that we've been uh, in discussion for a couple of uh, weeks. It really means a lot for him to uh, be joining us here. And yeah, so the title of the project that I've been doing, um, that we'll be discussing today here, it's mainly about... um, how, in particular, dark humor has became the new um pandemic of racism in a sense that um, w- um in many cases um, people hide um, their uh, uh, people hide their racist um attributions through uh dark humor, and that's the line that I've been um, working on for quite some time and like observing and um, today I would really like to talk a bit about um, this substance called subtle racism. So yeah, so that will be for today. Um, Before I begin, I don't know if Kay wants to say something.
0: Hi everyone. I just want I just want to say uh thanks for having me thank you Cabello uh thank you Cohart. and I'm looking forward to the discussion
3: okay uh, thank you very much Kay thank you for um, joining us so um first of all I will be also reading um a bit of a long text from uh, Franz Fanon where he um expressed how um how, how the identity of, um, of uh, people would actually be shaped and changed by, um, by, by racism, you know? And uh, I quote um, Franz Fanon, and he said, uh, here again, we encounter the same misapprehensions. It is of course obvious that the Malagasy can perfectly well tolerate the fact of not being a white man. A maligasy is a maligasy, or rather, no, not he is a maligasy, but rather in an absolute sense he lives his maligasyhood. If he is a maligasy, it is because the white man has come and at a certain stage he had been led to ask himself whether he is indeed a man. It is because his reality as a man has been challenged. In other words, I begin to suffer from not being a white man to the degree that the white man imposed discrimination on me. We make a colonized native. Rob me of all worth, all individuality, tells me that I'm a parasite on the world, that I must bring myself as quickly as possible into step with the white world and uh, I close quote, and uh, there's a very specific line or very important line that uh, he said on this code. and um, that uh, the, the line is all individuality, you know, in a sense that um, this subtle racism or dark humor, it plays around uh, stereotypes, it um, plays around, are uh, uh, accommodating everyone who has a darker shade skin colour in a sense that uh, we are um, preserved or seen in the world not as individual, but we are seen through our skin colour. You know, and these are some of the most important aspects that has been in discussion from the years of um, France-Fernon right up until now. And now we're talking about a new... World and new generation and um perspective of how we see things. We talk about uh, integrations. Um, we talk about the world integrating. We talk about um, migration. You know, in a sense that, um, <clears throat> in a sense that uh, it gets to a point whereby, um, if you have a darker shade of skin color and you move to a different place, you. Uh, um, not seen as someone who's um, who's who's fearless and is accepting of challenge, you know. Rather than if someone um, moves from, let's say, for instance, from um, Britain to the USA, you know, he's seen as someone who's courageous. But uh, if you have a darker skin, uh, darker shade skin color, your move. Are also questioned in such perspective, and that on its own, it's racism. You know, in, in a sense that um, you are not uh, seen as an individual; you are seen as as, um, as as a collective, as so to say. As so to say. So um, this 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 is a building up. Um, this is a I would say a building up of the problem. In a sense, that how um, things have been displayed in the media. Like, first of all, um, the perspective of um, media also had or have to be questioned when it comes to how they portray people with uh, uh, darker skin and so on and so forth. So, it is very uh, um, a questionable aspect, like you. Read the news as to how they um, report about Africa. It it is always the sense. It is always the notion of um, a collective, not uh, the notion of, of of individuality. You know, and I think Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie once uh, said it also that. Um, you know, uh, uh, Africa as a continent suffers a lot from the danger of a single story, and the single story has always been portrayed by um, by, by, by how Western media um, um, portrays or build up. You know, uh, because I think it also has to maintain a standard of um, a standard of appearance and a standard of um, views and by doing that, this is a direction that is quite often taken. And the thing is this direction or this notion of of reporting, it does a lot of damage into how um, people of darker um, skin I've been, um, you know, I've been, approached in in the world, you know, and it is because of this um, small hidden um, reporting, small hidden journalism, you know, and that's uh, what I would first want to talk about, that um, the first aspect of subtle racism or the fact of the, yeah, the first, uh, step or subject of subtle racism is um, reporting, you know, how the media report, how um, the writers write about a continent. You know, I there's one literature book from uh, CK Kumalo and it's titled um, From Cape to Cairo, that continent my ass, you know, and when he, he in, in the book, he travels from Cape Town right up until Cairo, and that's like the whole continent. And in all the countries that he visited for a couple of days, he tries to—he to, he tried to, to change. Well, not tried because you know you cannot try something that it's there. He was showing—he was showing what um, could the West. Uh, journalism report about the continent, you know, and he was talking about the culture, the music, the um, you know, the individualism of people on the continent that, uh, you know, we are individuals, you know, and, you know, and that's what uh friend Fanon was also uh, arguing against, that um, <coughs> colonialism colonism first robbed our individuality that um, it took the essence of being an individual and um, uh, uh, topped it with topped it with being a collective in a sense that um, the crumbles of 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 um, of being of, of of being a collective, it goes through into the academia. If you go into ca- academia spaces, there's also a huge um, collection of, of uh, the, there's this huge cloud of uh, uh, academics from the continent who uh, they are not like as academics, they are also not perceived as individuals, but they are perceived as a collective African let's say for instance writers, African writers, and you know some write fiction, some write you know they have their all individuality, but how they how their individualism has been robbed away from them, it also plays a huge um, a huge role into it you know and <clears throat> so the second one that I would want to talk about it's um you know like subtle racism is. Subtle racism, also known as covert racism, is described as a form of discrimination against individuals through often evasive or seemingly passive methods. In this day and age, this form of discrimination is well-dressed as tight humor. And often, and often individuals who are discriminated against are labeled as not being humorous enough. You know if you for instance um within these lines of dark humor if you re um i don't want to say re-correct because that would be a wrong way but if you counter attack you know into saying that you know but what you said it's actually a bit if not more discriminating you know than-
1: just one thing before mm-hmm. um before people move to the Um, to the next uh, topic I just wanted to mention really interesting thing about the immigration and how the people with the um, uh, darker skin are considered as like as uh, uh, collective immigrants Uh, it was a really uh, really interesting point and I just wanted to ask meantime to um, Kaysan while um, uh, you were your parents after resettling Uh, In Germany, they were also back in Ghana and currently you are living in Canada. And um, yeah, from this point of view, would be interesting to hear your opinion. How was it considered in the society generally? And how was it for you to changing so many
0: places? Right. um, Okay. So on the question of immigration, um, I tend to think that generally when we speak about uh, racism, uh, issues around discrimination, issues around uh, white supremacist perceptions, um, we are talking about different manifestations of often the same thing, the same thrust, the same dehumanizing exercise. Uh, and in this process, language plays a real uh, pivotal role uh, and by language I mean the words that I used. Um, so I tend to agree with Cabello because we share a very similar experience no matter where on the continent you're from because again, like he said, your individuality is stripped. So when I came here, I came here to, here be in Canada uh, as an international student. Um, I came as someone who was here to study, uh, who was paying, to study, um, often more than the people who are from here, uh, to study, and, but the reaction I got from people when I told them where I was from was that, oh, um, you're an immigrant, oh, are you a refugee? Oh, is there a war in Ghana? You know, that the reality of my individual Ghanaian experience was stripped away for a story, a proxy of, of an immigrant. Which is more comfortable to the way that we should be perceived because it's more, you know, dehumanizing and again. And not to say that they're, no, they're not problems in Ghana, not to say that they're not problems in the African continent. Of course, it's not what we're talking about. We're talking about a deliberate exercise to create an impression, to dehumanize. Um, so that was part of my experience. There's a lot of explaining that comes with it, uh, there's a lot of having to describe. Uh, and use um, means to kind of express to people that you are also human. And this is a very tiring thing. And I think this is what covert racism, so-called covert racism does as well. Uh, My parents had a harsher experience um, uh, because uh, Germany in the 1970s and the issue of race, uh, I imagine that perhaps things have progressed a little bit, but maybe not, you know, there's no, there's no, nothing tells us that history uh, progresses steadily towards being better, you know, I, I think some things have, may have gotten worse. Of course, there were blatant forms of uh, ignorance and racism displayed towards my parents. For example, my, my mom tells the story of uh, German children seeing her and pointing at her and asking their parents if uh, the dark on her skin will come off if she bathed long enough, you know. Um, and of course, this is, as, 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 as much as on the issue of race, individual responsibility is factor. it's also very limited to think just about, say, the child's parents or the child's ignorance. It's, it's much helpful for all of us to think about the kind of society that produces people who think like this kind of society that produces uh, these kinds of fractures and thoughts where um, my humanity versus someone else's humanity have, has to be valued differently. Uh, what kind of society is producing this? And and I think uh, Fanar, obviously, I, I'm, I'm very excited that we've quoted Fanar twice here because uh, he is, I guess, uh, in the tradition of thought, um, one of the most eloquent on this question of what kinds of human beings are we producing? Um, so I think these narratives, uh, these ideas, these manifestations, whether covert or overt, I, I particularly do not make the distinction, because I think, again, it's a, it's a hydra, you know, there are many heads of, of, of racism, there are many heads of, uh, ideology, right? Many heads of white supremacist ideology. I think uh, Fanon diagnosed it and, and, and employs us and, and urges us to think about how we may rearrange social relations so our, our experience of the world does not continue to produce these kinds of ignorant fractures in thought and behavior, which are, of course, incredibly harmful. I don't want to reduce it just to an intellectual exercise. It's a physical, visceral, um, feeling um, to live with this so um so yeah I think that's how I would describe my experience that that story that narrative uh, as a black person as a person of color as a racialized person it follows you everywhere I mean even in Ghana I was feeling it you know in different ways so yeah uh, that's kind of how I would explain it
1: thank you so much and uh, you mentioned you uh, Uh, about your parents in the 70s. And it's also very interesting because um, you also said that um, the forms of racism are changing throughout the times and not exactly changing it for the good. It changes sometimes for the worse. Um, And do you think nowadays when in some countries there are still regulated the racist comments and the actions and so on and so on, now it's more and more on the first now it's became more more kind of common the subtle ruses because people tend to cover it somehow. Do you think that it's became more common throughout the years?
0: I That's a very difficult question to answer I, I'll, I'll answer your question this way right So instead of thinking it thinking about it as a matter of scale, whether it's more or less, we should think about it as a matter of social and power relations. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. have have the essential power relations in the world, in terms of what we will call—and this is not my word. I'll, I'll use uh, Lewis Gordon's. Uh, Lewis Gordon is a—is uh, uh, it Lewis Gordon or Gordon Lewis? I always get his name mixed up. But he's a theorist, and he says that um, he calls it—he calls our our kind of contemporary setup. The Euro Modern World, right? The world that emerges out of a kind of European thought, right? So has those ha, have those essential power relations changed since the 70s? And I would say not at all, right? So so I would I, I would say rather that instead of a, a matter of scale, it just evolves into a different form, um, because if it becomes socially costly to be overtly racist, then of course the system and the practitioners of racism and people who kind of benefit from it will adjust their behavior in order to not be uh, penalized, but also to continue to display these kinds of divisions. Because you have to understand that uh, racism, um, just as much as uh, homophobia, just as much as uh, sexism, uh, patriarchy, benefits is beneficial to a certain way in which we, the world operates currently and until that has changed until that has changed they're always always going to be in the same degree you know if you know what I mean it's like this there's, there's no scale here it's just it's just there you know uh, and, and I think in different societies it's manifested differently but it's it's ever present you know
1: thank you so much Um, and, uh, Kabelo, you started, um, to talk about the subtle braces and, um, the dark humor, which is, um, the main topic of, uh, our today's discussion. And I just like, and as you mentioned already that it's many people cover it as, um, a humor and the people who are just making these comments or jokes are, um, just judged as people who doesn't have any sense of humor. So I uh, would love to ask: Do you think what where is the border between the humor and races? Like, is there a border, and where exactly? Where does it start?
3: Um, no, I I um think like um Kay said uh, there isn't actually a border. You know um. It's just a matter of looking at um, the the kind of society which uh, individuals grew up in. You know, uh, for instance, if you grew up in a society or in a community that's um, constantly um, that constantly um, mock a certain race, you know, you adjust. To the cycle of it you know um so there's an, there isn't there isn't actually um um a borderline but it's always the intentions you know it's always the intention you know um i, I think uh trevanova actually also made it made a very uh perfect example of it saying that um you know, uh, as a South African, you know, uh, specifically to narrow it down to South Africa is that you know, as a South African, um, South Africa even currently has what we call the top quality of racism. You know, because you 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 feel it, you see it, and you hear it. You know, so it 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 is it it contains all the body um, element you know so all the body element you, you you can you literally feel the anger and the hate you know and you of course you will hear it, you know because um the racism in south africa is very vocal you know uh it, it is very vocal so um you know when 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 you have when you have lived uh, for so long, with this kind of, um, w- you know, when you have lived so long around this um, atmosphere, you know, when the so-called dark humor ha- is um, has been delivered, you know, you could easily pick pick up the tone, you could easily pick up the energy, and you could easily pick up um, the, the the tone of the deliverance of a joke, you know? So it it is this essence of um, where you feel that, okay, I will practically make an example. You know, I was one time in a bus here, you know, I was one time in a bus, traveling from Berlin to Bayreuth, and I was sitting, um, well, to, uh, I, I, we were just, I was sitting with, there was a guy, this guy sitting next to me, and there were two guys also sitting next to me. And the guy next to me started to make a conversation to ask where I'm from. And I started to say I'm from South Africa. And, you know, like Kay said, then everything tended to be, oh, so are you a refugee or did you migrate here and whatsoever, you know, and whatsoever. And he made this, um, you know, this this tone of saying, oh, but. But for a South African, you sp- yeah, well, for South African, you speak good English, you know, and I'm like, of course I don't speak good English, you know, my my accent is like heavy, you know. And for me, it it is that um, that that element, you know, that okay, first of all, you know, the English language, you know, I perceive that I understand it and I speak it as it is. You know but however you know it is not a personal choice you know it's a choice of a structure is a choice of a system for me to speak uh, to be speaking in english you know um south africa as 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 its own has 10 uh, indigenous languages you know and um but because of the racial system you know because of the system of colonization um English and Africans took over. You know, I speak both languages, perfect. Well, not perfect, but good. <laughs> you know, I speak both both, both languages. You know, and uh, of course, it's not a personal choice. It was just a personal. It was just a, cho- a choice of um, like uh, 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 what Frank Fennon said that you know uh, that uh, the white man tells us that we are parasite on this world that I must bring myself as quickly as possible into step with the white world, you know, and that's where the language came in, you know. So that's, that's the first thing. You, you hear this tone of, of, um, uh, of this discrimination, like, okay, that's because I'm from South Africa, which means I can't learn a foreign language good, even though the language is like the imposed, you know, just the language that was imposed and whatsoever so I think I think it it, it is always you know to, to to go back to your question, I think it is always how you how how you know the deliverance of it you know that's that's when you know there's this uh, uh, um, passive aggression towards it, you know towards the question that it's been posed you know like it's not a question but it's dehumanizing it's, it, it is a question that's somehow make that is somehow making you a subhuman you know then that's where you um, you feel it and of course it is followed by a, a, a laughter after that like yeah no, this is just a joke, blah blah blah, you know like I'm not racist, but this kind of sentiment, you know So yeah yeah,
2: yeah. i I have a question actually. Um, what do you think then is the root of racism? I mean, Um, Do you think is about being racist so like a belief or does it come from more from disinformation or like what the media tell us about immigrants like from people who come from Africa or have another skin color because I can also see the question that like people ask you as a result of what people hear in the everyday life because they are not well informed because they don't know that much, for example, about Ghana or about South Africa. So uh, what do you think is actually the root? Like for, from where does the racism or the covered racist come from? Is more a status, is more disinformation, or it's more a belief, like what people really believe about other people.
3: Okay, uh, I, I think it is um, like, to be honest, it is um, the basic rule of um, colonization, you know, the basic rule of colonization, because what colonization, colonization did was to write history books First mm-hmm. thing for all. So, with this um, written manuscript, you know, from um, your anthropologist from this, uh, from then, you know, they um, wrote many manuscript that uh, dehumanized yeah. um, uh, uh, Africans, you know, that they. Uh, Gave in false information. They given false beliefs. You know, like everything was based on a false, um, or, or, or everything was based on misinformation to start with. You know, and um, um, from there, then came uh, the segregation in uh, in the USA. Came the segregation in South Africa. You know, and you know this this were also the elements of um the elements of um the past history you know and even today in 2020 you know we talk about uh segregation like it was years back you know but actually the guys who were like 10 15 during the segregation in the USA are now in their probably in their early fifties and whatsoever. So they are not that literally old. They are grandparents by now, or some of them are fathers. And this, and this, uh, um, this uh, uh, act of um, this, this how, how do I say this thing of this education or this hate, you know, that they um, get that from, that here, yeah, they still pass it through generation to generation, you know, and when you also talk about racism, you talk about a system you know you talk about a system that generates um income, a system that, that generates profit you know and so it is more about um education and and to this day and age we we cannot say um we cannot say or oh, one cannot say that um, because of uh, mis-education, you know, because everything is available everywhere. You know, you to, to know about certain places you could, as, you know, like from the comfort of your home, you could access places, you could learn about people's culture, you could learn about people's history, you could learn about people's identity. So I think it it is also a choice of um, ignorance to not educate yourself as an individual, as, to say, but it's also you know the 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 huge cloud above it, it's um it's money, you know, it's it's income, it's profit, you exactly. know. Yeah. I don't well, know if yeah. Kay wants to add to to it.
0: Yeah, I mean you you, you summed it up perfectly. Um, uh, again I think uh, even if it were a belief uh, then it becomes a belief about uh, the nature of the world, right? It becomes a belief about uh, what you think is other people. But like James Baldwin says, what you do not know about someone else is precisely what you don't know about yourself. So it's, it's this idea um, that uh, for a non-Black person, a, a non-person of color, um, someone who isn't racialized, for a white person, uh, there's this idea that uh, you can move through the world without knowing about all of humanity. Um, and I think that, that's, that thing that seems like a privilege, seems like a shield, because the world is designed to favor uh, white folks, uh, it's not so much a shield as it is um, a deficiency. Because you think about the human spirit as a muscle that you must exercise. Empathy is the most important thing for a human being to exercise. Your inability to see yourself in someone else, to feel for them. Uh, And, you know, of course, this is not created accidentally, but it's also not created deliberately. So, for example, I grew up watching um, a lot of American cinema because they were Important, you know, in the colonial construct and even post colonial construct, you can't really escape US pop culture and, um, you know, Hollywood and the whole thing. Um, you know, it's not great art, but it does something to a, a little kid in Accra, like myself watching it. It teaches me about the humanity of whiteness. And I think all colonized people have had this kind of diets of white media, white culture, white art. So we understand the humanity in that. But the same cannot be said of the German kid or cannot be said of the rural American kid, or even like it's an American kid in New York or California do not take in the perspective of the other as um, fervently as we take in the white perspective. So this creates a lack of exercise for that empathy muscle. Um, And and of course, And then Cabello said it brilliantly. It's, there needs to be, you have to be motivated by your humanity to seek out the humanity in others. And it's, it sounds very, very simple, but the hurdles are incredible because of a kind of historical uh, and social, political and economic structure that has imposed itself itself on all of of us, you know? And I think the job is for all of us to kind of like dismantle that, you know? um yeah
1: thank you so much um and kay uh and cabelo also you both mentioned that uh, the race is, is generally everywhere and kay you've been experiencing it also in ghana and cabelo you also mentioned about the south africa that is also uh there and many people have idea that it doesn't exist the races um in south africa or in ghana or generally in africa so um, it will be great to say say two or three more words about that the races in yeah in concrete in South Africa and in Ghana which you have been experiencing or seeing generally.
3: Um, okay, so uh, in South Africa, you know, um, we are the last um, country um to uh, gain liberation so we only gained our liberation in 1994 you know we can call it liberation we gained it in 1994 and um that is i think uh, 25 years ago if i'm not mistaken you know and um so uh you know 25 years is not equal to 48 years of of of, of segregation of racism of um apartheid you know, so um, uh, we are 24, 25 years against 48 years. You know what I mean? So for 48 years, all the power structures in the country focused on uh, a specific race, for 48 years on a specific race. And so, you know, you, you can imagine that almost all the institutions from education that were built for 48 years, were only for um, a certain race, you know. And um, so, in 1994, when South Africa gained its uh, liberation, uh, we started talking about the rainbow nation, you know. So, and this is this is just it's not even separated like South African freedom and freedom and apartheid. It's not sub- separated by years or whatsoever. It's separated by hours you know, like just in hours today, people voted tomorrow. This particular party won, the ANC won. And then we started to talk about the rainbow nation, you know, and of course there was was, a truth and reconciliation and so forth and so forth. And everyone uh, admitting to their crimes, you know, but what the country didn't actually care to realize was the racial tension that is hanging you know because you can't tell me like in in, in good perspective you can you cannot tell me that uh, if the previous day i couldn't sit with you in the next in, in the same bus then the following day i would sit with you in the same class you know and that that also that that is how that that is how the south african racism is um uh it's still based it's still based on that notion you know it's still based on, on that notion of um not uh yeah on, of institutions as so to say so for, for instance even today you get schools um that are well doing because there are schools that have a long history of, of, of government fundings, government, um, like, you know, cover, like they were assisted by government for 48 years and these schools are expensive or are either catered for a certain race, you know, because, it, I mean, it's still the New South Africa, everyone can go to school wherever they want to, but, um, And that's in paper. But in theory, a lot of school, a lot of school, a lot of good school needs to or need to save place, you know, because as black South Africans, we can go to um, this previous well uh, funded schools. But the trick is that um, the group from the well doing schools, you know, they cannot, or let me just say, well, Afrikaners cannot go into black schools. You know, so first so first black South Africans need to wait until all Africaners are enrolled in these schools. And when there is spaces, when there's space left, then that's where they fit in. You know what I mean? That's where they fit they they, they fit in, uh, uh, or that's when they build up the rainbow nation. So the rainbow nation it's actually one color dominating, and the other one is just there for decoration, you know. So <clears throat> That is the first foundation of racism in, in, in South Africa, institutions. And the second, um, the second, um, the second foundation is that um, in South Africa in nineteen four before nineteen ninety four we had what we called Bantu Stands, and Bantu Stands that's where black people were uh, placed, you know, like o- outside from the cities, and you know, like they were placed in townships. You know, and uh, away from cities, you know, and now we we now we have this um, a, a flip of um, black South Africans doing well economically and moving into suburbs or on or, or into suburbs, you know, and they cannot um, practice their culture or their customs, you know, because um, then it uh, uh, infiltrate or it it goes against the standard of a certain image of the community. So for 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 instance, um, I'm just gonna make a practical example. Is that when when I do well as a black South African, when I do well financially and whatsoever, you know, when I can stand on my own, I have to um, thank my ancestors. You know, so by that, I have to choose if I would uh, slaughter a cow and and what, slaughter a cow or gold and that, you know, and when you move into these uh, uh, places you cannot do that as a freedom of belief, that's a belief, that's a culture that's customs, you know, you cannot take away um, the customs of uh, of people because of a certain image, you know, and so there's always a clash of um, there's always a clash of um, a clash of of of, of, uh, of beliefs, a clash of customs a class of clash of culture and i remember not so long ago um one girl i think she was 10 or 11 in south africa you know she was told in the school that she is not allowed to wear her natural hair long you know it's either she relaxed the hair so it falls or she cut the hair you know and for me that's plain racism you cannot tell Maybe I'm maybe I'm just but for me that is just plain discrimination. You know, that is plain discrimination. How you someone choose to be identified with their natural hair doesn't have to do with anything, you know. And she didn't want to cut her hair and she was expelled from school. You know, so this is other kind of the Small racism that South Africa have to deal with on a day to day. And of course, when we go deeper, we could talk about uh, income, um, like in the differences in, in, in income, like in salaries. You know, there's a huge difference, like a huge difference in in, in terms of how uh, Black South Africans have been paid and how um, Africaners or white uh, Africans, you know, Africaners have been paid. There's a huge gap of um, income you know so we can also go through into the this system and it it is this system you know it always leads us to this system
1: thank you and Kay uh you could maybe say and before you start i just wanted to remind that people um that if you have any question again just in the middle or just you can write in the chat and we'll pay attention to it later for sure yeah place.
0: Yep. Um, So in the Ghanaian uh, context, um, as you would imagine, it will manifest itself with a slight variation. Um, So Ghana was never a settler colony. Um, Independence was gained in 1957. Um, Most Europeans left um, around that time. Uh, There's a very, very, very small settler community um, and the racial component by and large is um, homogenous if you really want to talk about race. I mean, there's a lot of ways in which Ghana is not homogenous, but racially it is. Um, so the manifestation of racism that I identified or experienced was more along the lines of the neocolonial uh, remnants within our education and also the economic remnants, which is absolutely... I actually... Um, kind of could identify uh, with uh, Cabello's last example with the rules around school and how people wear their hair and uniforms and all of this. Because the colonial education system uh, was never uh, dismantled. Um, Even though this, of of course, through different governments in Ghana, the, the education system is always tweaked. It's never dismantled. And on top of that, you have this very direct relationship with, the West through um, economic institutions like the IMF, uh, through certain policies around um, around how uh, our economics are, are, our economy is structured. Uh, what you can grow, exports and all of this stuff is still very much a colonial economy. So then uh, the way you would see that practically say in my life, for example, is um, of course, you have a lot of travel, you know, of course, people are always free to visit Ghana and we, we, are, to- we are considered very hospitable people. So sometimes uh, there's one incident, uh, which was uh, years ago, I, had, uh, I was visiting and I had gone with some friends to go to this hotel because we would, you know, go there just to hang out. And uh, we were on foot, just dressed like casually. Uh, and at the gate, uh, the Ghanaian security guard would not let us in um he would not let us in no matter what we said uh, it didn't matter he looked at us and would not let us in of course having grown up in ghana i understood what that was i know that if it was a white person going to this hotel dressed no matter how he was dressed he would be let in because there, there are certain sites and locations where uh, the color of the skin represents something beneficial to our society, right? Represent no matter the fact that there's been a colonial history and a colonial struggle, and we are proud of our independence and Ghanaians are very proud people. We are very, very proud people. Still on the day-to-day interactions, you get a lot of these um, preferential treatment because it's recognizable that there's a benefit that comes with being white. And to me, this is racism. Uh, This is a very vivid form of racism. And of course, You can imagine the kind of white person that wants to exploit that would also exploit that right so there's a lot of issues that go uninvestigated a lot of corners that get cut in business or in just in the social fabric of our society and people might be able to get away with it based on the color and i think that's like a manifestation of racism i will say though that by and large it doesn't manifest in the way that i feel in you know in the west you know it's not it's not it's not like you have a white teacher that's trying to discourage your development uh, or you have these, these examples where you're like, okay, I cannot become a doctor because these positions are only reserved for white people. That's not the case. You see that you can be in certain positions of power, Um, but where there are interactions with um, uh, non-black folks, because it's not just white folks, it's other non-black people of color who get preferential treatment at times. And I think this is a remnant of the colonial education and, and the hier- hierarchy that comes with skin color, basically.
2: So going back a bit to the topic of uh, cover racism, we want to ask you both, uh, how is discrimination of cover racism demonstrated?
0: Um, for me, I uh, it's funny because I recently just, a matter of days ago, I was in the grocery store, and I had just walked around the house a bit to, I mean, just as you do in a grocery store, you know, you're not sure if you want this, you're not sure if you want that, you know. And then I saw like the clerk just like kind of walking down the aisle and looking into my cart, like very suspiciously, you know. Uh, and to me, of course, I know if I confronted this person, they would instantly be aware of what they have done and say that they're not, you know, they'll be very, they'll feel very bad about it. It's almost like an involuntary muscle. Almost. It's like, oh, this person represents this in my mind. Uh, and, um, you know, people like to call them microaggressions. And and that's, that's when you move through the world as a black person, as a person of color, you get them in different ways. Right. Um, and it's, it's, uh, it's almost like built into the way we think of, of ourselves, you know,
3: Yeah, um, I think I also have like a a recent, um, you know, it is recent, there's two months back, there's three months back, there's almost every day a story (laughs) with with such experiences. And I think I had um, my recent one or the one that was a bit very heavier to me was that, um, you know, when I was going to school, you know, such things happen that you forget your wallet and you remember when you are in a bus that, OK, I forgot my wallet or whatsoever on a different jacket. Or what, it happens. It's hum, only human nature. So I went to school because I had everything Like in this day and age, you literally don't need your wallet. You can do your, end your payment with your phone whatsoever, you know, so you don't need it. You know, but um, my ID was there, <laughs> you know, but my ID was in there. So um, I went to school and um, I got into a bus. It was OK. Went to class, finished class, came out, you know, and when I was taking a bus to um, to come back home. Um, so everyone who was in front of me had the same ticket as I had, the e-ticket, they were the um, ticket on the phone, you know. So I showed my like they showed their ticket and they were it was okay for them to, to to go in, and I came with my uh, with my phone, and showed this uh, bus driver that I my ticket, you know. But she said that um, she wants to see my ID, you know. And uh, I I asked, but why, you know? And um, she said that <laughs> she said you know that um, you know like. Practically, if I would translate it into English, that you people could always use a single ticket together, you know, and. You know, so and the thing is, it was on this specific day where I don't have my ID that uh, she wants to see my ID, you know, and. But I told her that the ticket is valid and whatsoever, and she didn't buy it, you know, like she, she just didn't buy it because we might all share a same ticket like the whole continent could could share a ticket <laughs> you know the whole continent could share a single ticket here so and uh, I she told me that it's either get out of the bus or the bus is not moving you know and I said I'm not getting out of the bus you know and she uh, switched off the bus and you know um I could be star- I could like be very stubborn but consider the times. I thought of people who need to go home or so whatever and do this. So I just got out of the bus to wait for another bus, you know, which is like another thirty minutes of my laughing of my life being wasted. So I just got off the bus and you know and this 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 I are just the 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 crumbles of almost day to day experiences, you know, day to day experience. Like Kay said, when you go into a store, you know, there's this um Unconscious. Um, uh, um, I, I don't know if it's unconscious, or what, but you know, there's this certain um, instinct that you feel or see that you know there are people who are following you. You know, I mean, they have in most, in many cases, they're trying really hard to not show that they are following you, but you could see it that they are following you—how they move, how they look at you, how. You know, so there, there are a lot of 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 of, this, um, of, of, of these cases. You know, and uh, you know, so racism is not always vocal. You know, racism is not always um, uh, a violence. You know, like it's not always violent. Racism is sometimes this small. they are not small, but we might ask call them like small day-to-day aspect. You know, that's that's racism, just because, um, uh, just because I have, uh, a certain skin color, you know, does that mean that my individuality have to be, uh, taken off? You know, uh, I was reading one, um, funny, uh, uh, for like very, very funny and humorous guy. And he said that, um, uh, I think he's from Cameroon or something. And, uh, he lives in, um, in Berlin, he said that whenever he start to see uh, uh, white people in Berlin, you know, he start to look at them suspicious as if they will divide the continent, you know, and he said that it makes them feel uncomfortable the way how uh, he looked at them, you know, like maybe they would colonize the, the continent, they will recolonize the continent, like he, he gives them this kind of aspect, you know, and he, he, he said that it it makes a lot of them unsuspicious. Like they would ask him, why are you looking at me? And I say, oh, don't worry. I was just wondering if you are one of the colonizers and you would recolonize the continent, you know. And, you know, I, I understand the perspective where he comes from, you know, because when he goes into a supermarket, someone is monitoring him. When he gets into a bus, someone is monitoring him, you know, so, you know, and he said that, that um, he said this, you um, kind of, 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 of reverse racism, you know, because I don't even know if it's racism, but he calls it reverse racism. Like when he, he counterattacks with these experiences, you know, it makes everyone feel uncomfortable. And he always asks them, but then how do you think I feel when I'm being watched 24-7, 365? You know, and I'm just like, he told them, I'm doing this for less than like two minutes and you already feel uncomfortable. With yourself, imagine how I feel if these my um, experiences day to day, if you know. So that is what uh, racism. That's what uh, my experience with racism is.
1: Um. Okay. Uh, and to uh, be more concrete about today's uh topic about dark humor and how it. Is justified generally within just a humor or being funny. Um, just want uh, if um, K or Cabello can you just explain uh, how does influences the dark humor the hu- this kind of humor about one's perspective about certain culture the people and why should we consider it and why should we rethink while we are hearing or saying that kind of jokes?
0: Well, it's like, um, was it George Carlin that says this? He has a very good take on this. Uh, and I think it's a brilliant one for all comedians or all kinds of, all forms of humor are targeted at people. As you look at the power relations. And if, you, if, if the kind of human being you want to be is someone who punches down, that, I think that's what he said. Uh, if you want to use your power, your platform to already you know assuming that you're not a complete idiot and you 're aware of what 's going on in the world, to punch down on queer folks, punch down on um uh uh black folks, punch down on uh, uh, uh oppressed peoples all over the world, then it 's like you know that dehumanizing exercise that you're you're passing off as a joke says more about you than it does about. The people you're attacking right it says it tells us that in fact your intentions are um evil and useless completely to the kind of world that we're trying to imagine and we should put you on mute permanently you know it's, it's just basically there's nothing humorous about attacking people you know it's nothing humorous about that at all it's, i mean it's it's a perverse human being to find to continue to do that and, and to continue to excuse that as a society also says something about us, right? And, and these comedians exist, and I, and I think, you know, they're just not funny to me, you know? Oftentimes they're also not even funny, you know? It's just like, you, that's not what... If you have to do that to elicit a response, then you're also not very talented, you know? It's like... um. So yeah, it's, it's essentially what I, I would say about that.
3: Yeah, um, Kate said it beautiful, you know, it's about um, finding um, a common understanding of humanity, and of discrimination and humor, you know, um, you could not, uh, for instance, um, attack an individual through, you know, um, through what is known as uh, discrimination and color it as humor, you know. Uh, if, for instance, we we know, you know, we we know that, um, that 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 it's happening. What is happening throughout the world, you know? Like, for instance, if you if I go out and I'm wearing a black hoodie and a black sneakers and whatsoever, you know, those are my preferences. And when I walk out and someone say that oh you look like you would rob me you know it's not because of the it's not because of the outfit if 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 a, a white person would go out with the same clothing no one would say you look like you would rob me you know but because of my skin color you know his someone said oh you look like you would rob me and in in, in that line you know in that line it's the line of discrimination, it's the line that is that is um leading to um police brutality in the USA it's the line that is um you know that um you cannot be an intellectual no that's even going far you cannot be a human being and wear black stuff you know and uh that is that that is just to me um you know it's not humorous you can't joke like that, you know, you need to look at the actual, actual um, statistics of, 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 of how, um, of the actual day-to-day reality, you know. Um, if, um, you know, if even to make a, another example is that, um, even with the white hoodie, You know, a black person would still be regarded as 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 a a, 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 a fact. You know, it came to a sense that I I grew up in 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 Johannesburg Newlands. You know, it was very tense to walk the street at night with a hoodie on. You know, because the community was uh, or the communities in like in in line with. with, with the rainbow nation so the community is like the idea rainbow nation of South Africa you know where we're supposed to live peacefully in harmony and dance Kumbaya in the street and also but in actual fact you know as, as, as a young boy you know um, I don't know I was actually telling, telling a friend the other day that you know it was so it, it was so sad that um, I was watching an American movie. And um, a father was talking about or or he was having the talk with uh, his black son, you know, the talk, um, you know, and it was so sad because even in South Africa, I also had the talk with my parents. They also told me that how I should behave when I'm being approached by uh, white police officers, how how my body language should be, how I should respond to them, you know, and that for me took so much courage, you know, because I would see a friend uh, a, a friend in a community who is white, and he would talk to the police officer like he wants to, you know, like the, for instance, if the police officer would stop, I'm like, yeah, why do you want to search me? I don't have anything, you know, but when they come to me, I have to obey to them, you know, I have to be quiet, I have to answer with yes, sir, no, sir, you know, and that that, that line also builds. Build it up into in, into into what we what we have now because um, we've stayed silent for so long that um, the world saw or sees it as the right thing to do. You know, if you speak about it, you are a problem, black person. You know, if you revolt against it, you are angry. You know, you need to find peace within yourself. You need to move on with the world. That you know the world is moving on, but Black people are not, you know, like, they are not discriminating. And it's not only uh, um, Black people, like Kay said, you know, like, um, even in the LGBT community, you know, like, there's so much happening, you know, within discrimination and and a lot of aspects, you know. So we cannot be saying that we are moving with the world while on a day-to-day there's Injustice in the street.
1: Okay, thank you so much. Um, and just one more question uh, about uh, dark humor. Um, about for for me or for anyone who who is hearing, for example, the jokes. How do I differentiate what you, what is acceptable? and what is not acceptable? What is the racist joke and what is not? Is it a racist joke when I make fun of uh, white people as a white person? Is it a racist joke when a black person is making fun of black people or Asian person is making fun of Asian people? Is this funny? Does this matter who who tells the joke, where the joke is coming from? What are the main things we should consider while hearing or telling the joke? Um,
3: I think I think you know is you know with 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 um, racism or discrimination. You know, uh, discrimination racism is a system of power. You know, it is how um, how how the the, that the world is designed to uh, destroy an an image of an individual you know so for instance um, you know it, it it does not matter you know it, it does not matter if a black person is making a racial joke about a black person black person it is always you know it goes to to, to the if a black person is making a racial joke towards black people it always goes to the question of how how is the audience um, approaching it and how will the audience from there spread it you know in, in that perspective of a chain you know so you know racial jokes are a problem I'm not against jokes <laughs> but racial jokes are a problem because then they create a chain you know and this chain become, or in, in somehow build up to become a certain truth, and this certain truth become an identity of individual, and this certain of indiv- uh, of image takes away the 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 the, um, the the individuality of of people, you know, because of this certain of this certain joke, you know. So it has to. Be, you know, you, you there are thousands of ways to be humorous, you know, just do not discriminate people, you know, regardless of their skin color, regardless of how they um, regardless of how they identify themselves in the world, you know, you do not make discrimination jokes because then they build up, you know, they they, they build up. That's how that's actually that's how uh, um. How how um, um, racism or discrimination was brought into the world? You know that um, a lot of um, and you can also like uh, uh, do a bit of research is that when 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 um, when the system tried to justify racism, they made humorous joke on television, on the radio, on on literature. You know they make jokes you know, and these jokes became the image of people. So I, I, I think, you know, you could be funny without being, you know, without discriminating people. And I, I think it, you know, it I, I, I really have no idea, but I think I think I, I, I hope that I, I, hope I answered your question.
0: Yeah, to definitely uh, agree with Codello on this. Um, there's a couple of things happening here that we have to understand. And I think we all know this um, by instinct that um, stories are powerful and humor is powerful. Um, Just like we know that music is powerful. So if you're listening to a song by a favorite artist and you hear something that's like unconscionable, um, it just ruins the song. It doesn't matter how great the chords are. It doesn't matter how great the line is. You just It's ruined for you. The person's perception is tainted by this thing that they've decided to infect their art with. And I think the same goes for jokes. Uh, no matter who the teller is, who the listener is, uh, the content matters uh, because humor is powerful. And if we allow it to exist, um, of course you cannot censor people you cannot uh, prevent people from saying the things they want to say of course there are certain liberties that we've all agreed that you know they're guaranteed but there's a limit also to how much harm should be allowed to be done at all um, through these very powerful um, uh, means that we have you know um, so that's how I, I like to think about it um, that it, if it if it's at, if if the joke is at the expense of someone else, if it's at the expense of humanity, you should, I think, ideally, a, a spiritually evolved or mature person should know that it's about them as well, right? Should know that what if this was said about me, how would I feel? Um, even if, and then if you do find it funny, you wonder why you find it funny. Um, why you, you you do some self-work right you do some work on yourself to say why do I find this funny what's within me that's making me you know feel that this certain thing um uh, this certain joke is working and often you find that wait a minute like I'm being a bit of a jerk here you know and then you kind of like work through it and, and kind of like engage your humanity you know and I think that's 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 the work that we uh, we could all do in that sense, w- regardless of who's telling that it, it's being told, who's being told to, who's being told about, you know.
3: And I think um, uh, Steve Biko once put it um, like beautifully by saying that um, it is perhaps fitting to start by examining, examining why is it necessary for us to think collectively about a problem we've never created? In doing so, I do not wish to concern myself unnecessarily with the white people of South Africa, but now we can say of the world, but to get into the right answer, but to get to the right answers, we must ask the right questions. We have to find out what went wrong, where and when, you know? And for me, this uh, speaks about how, you know, um part, of, part, part of, 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 um, uh, of history, how, you know, we really do not know what went wrong. You know, we were not there when um, this happened, you know, but however, we are still living in, we are still living in the legacy of, of it. You know, so as a collective, if we um, reconsider, you know, as a collective, you know, to reconsider the problem, Was created when we were not there, you know, and try to find out what went wrong, where and how, you know, that will lead us to um, um, a conversation that will be beneficial for humanity, you know, a, a conversation that will be beneficial for us as a collective in the whole world. So, yeah, I think... Answered your question.
1: (laughs) Uh, Thank you so much. Um, Yes, and yeah, before we go to the uh, questions from the audience, um, I just want to ask one last question about from personal experience about uh, humor, humorous people. We're covering races with the humor. Do you have any experience or any examples that would be great to hear to show exactly what we are talking about? And we can perhaps um, finish the discussion if you don't have anything else to say. With this run from our side with the questions and then move to the audience. And one, one last alarm that you can write down your questions in the chat. So
3: we will also mark it. Yeah. Um. Personally, I uh, deregister all the humorous jokes that have been posed to me. Like I literally just deregister them, you know, because uh, I don't want to be part of cycle you know that revolves around um, that that around problems you know but uh, the one you know the one that is very sticky and very harsh and very painful you know um, was uh, you know i'm even ashamed to to to, to, to be talking about it but um, you know uh, so one person was saying that, um, you know, uh, so people in the continent or in Africa, they looked at, uh, they looked at monkeys, you know, and they found them appealing, and they uh, slept with them. And that's why the world have um HIV AIDS, you know. And I'm I'm th- and I'm there thinking like, no, but this is, you know, like through studies, it showed that um o- of many studies shows that, you know, this disease is was made in a lab. You know, and it's also the the context of ignorance, you know, the context of um and, and I'm not this person, this person that I'm talking about, he he was not old. He, you know, he was about twenty twenty between twenty twenty five you know he's 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 so young to be um in this perspective of 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 mindset you know this perspective of mindset and saying yeah you know it's a joke it actually never happened it's not a joke you know like to 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 start with you know and yeah so yeah
0: yeah I, I um generally I, I like how you said deregister because it's exactly what you do you just kind of erase it out of your memory and um I don't retain a lot of uh, racist jokes or I think I kind of shield myself from that because it's uh you know it's not an easy thing to to experience your reality as one that is you know oppressed or attempt their attempts to oppress or or reduce your humanity and then also hear jokes about it. So I kind of like I'm very selective about what, what I listen to, so I, I kind of skip that.
1: Perfect. Um, thank you so much. Uh, if you have anything, I mean Kabila and Kaysan, anything come up uh, before we move on uh, to the questions from the audience? this is the time, other yeah. than that we can just move on
0: to another round of the questions, yeah. I'm say just in summary um, that uh, in this, I, I like this platform uh, and I like the sharing of stories and I think uh, for me there's an understanding that when we share our stories about incidents that we've encountered about the way we experience the world, we're doing so not to elicit any kind of uh, sympathy not to elicit any kind of like, oh, this is a bad thing happening in the world. But for me, it's important that we see it not as a bad thing happening in the world. Of course, it's bad. We all we know, we know this, that it's, we see it essentially as a set of relations that are, that is allowing certain kinds of people to be produced, as Fanon would say, right? So I just want to end on that point to say that when we share these stories, it's, it's supposed to be emancipatory. It's for, for us to like, uh, kind of deprogram all, for all of us to deprogram ourselves. Um, it's what conversation is an art form for me uh, as much as all the other art forms. And I think this, these conversations happen in that spirit as well. Uh, and and yeah, and thank you so much for inviting me to be a part of
3: this. Yeah. And just to uh, add on what Kay said that we, when we uh, speak about these experiences, we're not looking for some kind of a sympathy or You know, it's um, I would say that it's what uh, James James Baldwin once said that um, he said that you never had to look at me. I had to look at you. I know more about you than you know about me. Not everything that is faced can be changed, but nothing can be changed until it is faced. You know, so um, this is this is like Kay said, this is uh, the experiences of uh, how we face the world on a day to day but not in a sense of looking for sympathy but in a sense of you know we need to change the perspectives you know and yeah so that i think that's that was very beautiful beautifully a beautiful set and yeah now we can move on to
1: (laughs) thank you thank you so much um yes uh i think I see the four questions, and I think I don't miss any of them about there. And first comes from Alex, Um, and she's asking Do you speak uh, with uh, someone about the experiences you are making with discrimination?
3: Uh, I'm sorry, I'm not sure if I understand the question.
1: Do you have? conversations I think she meant about this with anyone, so.
3: Um, you know, it is, um, it is uh, for me it is uh, very uh, great when we have um, platforms such as this to uh, speak about uh, the kind of racism that uh, is being imposed on a day-to-day, um, on a day-to-day to, um, to us. Uh however, if i do not like uh discuss it with my partner, I always um dis- uh, uh, discuss it with my journals, you know, so I would write or, write a lot about the uh, experiences and you know because one way to deregister a lot of um emotions is to actually put them into paper and put them away. You know, so that's what I'm talking with in many cases.
0: Yeah, that's a, that's a very good point. Uh, and it's a, it's, a, it's a good question. Uh, I think, uh, yes, we, we, we speak, for me, uh, you know, amongst friends, amongst people that we trust, amongst family. We, we share these experiences. We, we talk about it. Um, and then it's also the aspect of um, just looking to, you know, the, the great many thinkers and writers and, and musicians and, and philosophers, and God knows we have many, many of them um, uh, who are speaking from our perspective and broadening the understanding of the world for all of us. So when you listen to a song, for example, it might not be a song directly addressing the question, but there sentiments that you pick up on. And, and it's just, it's, it's not, you know, I guess the, the dichotomy here is that the experience is, is one that tries to alien, alienate us, but it's not alienating in the sense that the general force of humanity or force of life comes through regardless, right? It's in spite of all of this humanity, the wells of our humanity like swells and, and all of our artworks and all of our, you know, our brilliant cultures is a testament to that. Um, and I think I find, I personally find a lot of comfort Uh, And camaraderie in that—it's just you know there's there's a lot of joy in resistance. You know there's a lot of joy in resistance, and I think that's that's uh, that's key for me.
3: The the story that you told about the bus—did you also share it then with somebody and talk about it with somebody, or yeah, how it it was? Yeah, um, I I shared it with uh, with family and. I also um wrote them down, you know, and um as 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 I think um I, I we've mentioned that you know it is it is very um you know we we tend to deregister everything, you know, not only because um not not only because we're trying to be naive about the situation, but because it gets a bit heavier to carry such load in your heart, you know, you 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 need to make space and make make room for things that make you that, that makes you bloom, you know, that, that makes you grow. You know, so such things we just um, talk maybe like about them and then write about them and we just deregister them. You know, of course, when you treat, you know, if if we keep them or if I keep them, you know, it, it it's a chain of you know it, it's a chain of transition. It's a chain of transition from South Africa to Germany and combining the it two, it's just, you know, it it it's heavy, you know, it's it it is heavy. You know, it it is also a question of um. One will also ask himself that um you know uh, uh, if you know, if, if if you know his home land is not as home enough for him, what is home then? You know, because um, I, I like um, we we should be we should be I mean we shouldn't be talking about discrimination at all. We shouldn't be having discrimination at all, you know. But if we are to have discrimination, you know, we shouldn't be talking about discrimination from home. You know, you should be discriminated from a far a place, you know. And I mean not that we should be discriminated, but if we are in this position, you know, it shouldn't be at home, you know. So,
2: so the next question. Could you tell more about being accused of being or reacting to emotional when you are trying to tell people that their joke was actually racist?
3: Um I I, I think you know um with, with uh, being too emotional, it, it, it is actually a very good question and a very often statement that is um, being, um, uh, uh, um, that is being given in most cases, you know, that, oh, you are too emotional, you are too angry, are you an angry black guy? you know so it, it, it is a fact of uh, you know it is it is a fact of you know i what i personally do is that i get my point done and deregister everything you know it it, it is very difficult to 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 say that um to, to say that you or one could defend the narratives of um of of racism you know, if you put yourself in a position of of um, defending racism, of course there are emotions attached to it. You know, of course, when you uh, react to, to to racism, your tone changes also. You know, because then you know racism. The person who you know, when when, when you when you receive discrimination, you do not only receive discrimination, but you receive also complex of emotions you know discrimination comes with complex of emotions in that state you do not know how or what emotion you should associate yourself with you know because i i for my sanity i need to associate myself with emotions you know i'm a very um spiritual and emotional person you know, so for my sanity, I need to um, associate myself with emotions. So when I receive discrimination, it is very difficult for me to um, come to terms with the kind of emotion that I'm feeling. I don't know if I'm I, I definitely know that I'm not happy, but I do not know if I'm sad, angry or in in, in the process also um, uh, getting a bit of anxiety attacks attached to it, you know, because there's, there's you know, there's. I am not well with biology, but you know, there's, there's this emotions of this connection between your brain and your heart. You know, you're trying to make uh, a sense to it when you respond to it. So, how we react to it. It's difficult to say, it's, it, it, I think it's just the state of, uh, it's just being present and the state of the mind there and there, you know, your mind, your heart, your body will know how to react.
0: Exactly. Uh, um, it's very insidious for uh, someone making a joke that is racist and demeaning to then also want to control your response to that joke. um, If you know what I mean, it's like you say the thing that's offending, uh, but you also expect that, so you say the thing that's offending and dehumanizing, but then you also expect that the response does not come from a human place, you know, because we know that human beings are emotional and human beings are unpredictable and human beings are complicated. Uh, So if, for example, the person making the joke is a friend of mine or someone I think is a friend, I mean, it's just a hypothetical because I avoid people who make racist jokes, but if if the person is someone you know, then imagine the complexity of emotions because you care about them if they are your friend. Uh, But they're also saying something that dehumanizes you. So you you are confronted with this complexity that Cabello speaks so eloquently about. It's like you have a range of possible responses. uh, And I think... You should respond as a human being, however it comes to you, you know, if it's a slap in the face or, you know, I mean, I'm not advocating anger, but we, you people have to understand that you're dealing with human beings, you know, <laughs> there's nothing neat about human emotion, you know, and, and, and that's what it is, you know. Um. Thank you. Um,
1: Milan asked that uh, what you think about humor of comedians, such as Chris Rock, uh, Dave Chappelle, Chappelle. I am not familiar with Ch- Chappelle or Chappelle. I'm not sure or Kevin Hart.
3: Hey, um, I would say that you know, um, these comedians, Chris Rock, Dave Chappelle. Let well, I was first speak about Chris Rock and Dave Chappelle. You know, they first of all fought against um a very racial system you know for 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 their craft you know and you know they eloquently um um packaged you know, the uh, uh, struggles of, of, of uh, facing, of uh, the struggle that uh, uh, African Americans are facing and um, put it out there, you know? And um, do we agree or do I agree with um, some of the context that was made, you know, um, It's a different topic, but, uh, you know, I I think, I I think, you know, in, 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 in so many contexts in, in, in my eye, they are very um, intelligent as, 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 as artists, as comedians, you know, and how they use their, um, their craft also, he, you know, it, it it is very interesting. You know, we can also add uh, Trevor Noah into in, into into the perspective. You know, um, he also um, he also faced and um, and an, an outrage from his home country, which is South Africa, for saying he's uh, inappropriately um, displaying. You know, like in South Af- in South Africa, we are one of the countries in the world where we still have uh white people black people and colored people and colored people are, or the word but what uh the system say they are uh the descendant of 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 interracial um community you know which is wrong you know because when you look back to the history of south africa you need you would know that actually you know the correct term is Koi Sen. they are the indigenous um, people of South Africa, but because of the system, because of the 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 fairness of colour on in their skin, that is a bit different. You know, they were given a title, they were given this title, but okay, I'm not going there now. <clears throat> I'm talking about how Trevor Noah also got outraged from Uh, the community of colored people in South Africa saying that um, he is inappropriately um, displaying their culture at many times when he does stand-up comedy, you know, and um, he apologized, you know, so, yeah, It's hard to say.
0: <laughs> I uh, I don't have much else to add to to, to that question because I think um, I mean it's a you know it's it's useful to think about how we are relating to uh, the works of, of com- comedians within our different uh, communities, right? So I think in order to not do the the kind of like collectivizing thing, uh, I think each one of them that you mentioned be it Chris Rock or Dave Chappelle, um, have very interesting angles at different times, right? And they're not always, to me, they're not always all funny. Um, Sometimes some of the works can veer on like social criticism, which I would prefer, uh, but then at times it's just way off, you know? And I think to for an audience, the same complexity applies generally. You listen to it. If you don't like it, you turn it off. If you do like it, you know, I'm not like a blanket fan of all comedians, you know, because they come from a certain tradition. Of course, uh, Cabello highlighted the tradition and it's a very important one because I think for the, you know, for the African-American community, social criticism is a part of the liberation struggle. You know, if you listen to Richard Pryor, you know, going further back than that, uh, it's a very black uh, component of the struggle so in that sense I am I listen you know I'm I'm outside of that so I, I learned from it and, and just kind of like pay attention to it as you would to like a great orator from uh, from Ghana or from South Africa or, you know you learned from it uh, you know we, these are also oral cultures right so you the traditions that you won't find in books that you'll find in black comedic expressions and so on um, but of course there's no blanket agreements with everything that is said or every position that's taken you know
2: Okay, we move on to the next question from Teodora. How can we combat subtle racist practical examples?
3: Um, how can we combat um subtle racism um, oh you know i I, I think it goes um, to the fact of uh, how to you know, um, as, as, as I said earlier on, as a, a collective, what as Steve Biko said, that we need to, as a collective, you know, um, start examining necessarily uh, um, to, to, to come together as a collective and think about how to uh, counterattack this problem that was created when we were not there. You know, it it comes to um to to education. You know, it comes to one um, educating uh, himself. I don't know if you one can teach him how to teach himself how to be appropriate. But you know, I think it's very 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 important that one learn to be um, uh, um, appropriate and I, you know, like any other race in the world, you know, uh, everyone is being uh, seen as an individual and not as a collective, you know, that's, that is also a very, 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 very important point that uh, we, are, we, we, we are collective, not, we are individual, not a collective, you know, and it, it goes with going beyond your educational teaching, you know what, what, what you have been taught through history books, and you know, um, engaging in, in 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 certain communities, and not only in, in in black communities, you know, in 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 all different kind of discrimination, discriminatory factors, you know, you know, in in your your patriarchy, you know, you, you need to engage with um, such uh, communities and educate yourself as to how much danger and how much um scars is it is imposing to the next person
0: yeah um i would uh, i would like to think that the uh the appropriate response would depend on um kind of the relationship of the listener to uh the person making the joke you know uh, if, if it's uh if you're at a show for example and you know why you went there. Usually people know why they're going to listen to a certain humorist or comedian. Um, then you've already decided that, you know, this person's content is okay with you, right? But if it catches you off guard and you have a range of responses, you can, if you're such a person, you can make a complaint or you can walk out or etc. If someone close within your circle that makes a, a joke that is inappropriate and you have a certain concern for them, uh, then you can... Uh, you can take on the role of pointing out or walking, to, walking them through their thought process to know why they made that joke, um, if that's a relationship that you want to foster, right? Um, so I think there's a range of of uh, responses, but I think the most most importantly is to remember what uh, Cabello said. It goes beyond education. It goes beyond um, kind of uh, training and decorum it goes beyond that it is essentially about uh your spirit and the the kind of human being i keep saying this but the kind of human being you want to be and what you who you want to surround yourself with right it's very simple almost like moralistic work but i think that's very important you know this ethics are important these old school values of being a decent person as simple as they are they're very important you know you know because that's how we can begin to address some of these things you know Personally, for me, it's like, you know, sometimes it's too much to deal with such a, a certain kind of thing. So you just kind of like cut it off or walk away. But if you are invested in a person's well-being and in your well-being, you can take on the task of thinking through certain things and, and trying to understand, you know, that certain positions that the, that are, you know, trying to come to some kind of an enlightened position with someone if, if he wants to go that way, you know. Um, yeah.
1: Thank you. Um, and there is a last question, even though I, I think I partially already answered yes. that question, but I will read anyway, and if there is anything to add, obviously we'll be glad to hear your answer. So Nadine asks, um, how would you wish white people in your environment would react to racist jokes and situations?
3: Um. I, I, I have a beautiful um, uh, answer or, or a beautiful, well, actually, beautiful, I don't know if it, it was a beautiful outcome, but not a beautiful situation. Let me put it that way. <laughs> um, so I was traveling from Lithuania to Berlin, I think uh, this was 2014. I can't remember quite well if it was 2014 or so. And so during the travel, um, the bus was stopped in one of the stations Uh, and there there we had um, police control and the police went or came into the bus and moved past everyone and just came to me and wanted my uh, identification, um, of course, uh, me being noisy, I asked them, why am I being the only one who needs to provide my, um, my identification? And they said that because they have um, a, huge, um, in, like, a, a huge drug trafficking happening between this route, you know, and um, I asked them, so how do I fit into the picture of someone who moved drugs? you know, and they said, no, they're just doing their job and whatsoever. And the the four ladies, I think they were friends who were traveling together, you know, they also um, uh, uh, jumped into the conversation, you know, by telling to the police officer that if you, before you see his passport or his papers, you need to see our passport first, because we could also be um, illegal here, you know, and then the whole bus actually said that I would be the last person to be checked for my documentation to be checked, and they need to start first uh, at the first seat, and I will be the last person. That is time-consuming. You know that will be very time-consuming, and uh, of course they made a huge um, out uh, um, a, a huge discussion to it. And my identification was not checked. They left. Uh, they left the the at the bus the, pol- the police officers left the bus, you know and you know it it, it is such small um small aspect you know that uh, that changes the world you know uh, that would have been a ve- I mean it, it, it is still a very um, difficult thing to be racially profiled but the outcome of uh, people interjecting you know because normally when you are in a racial situation, no one interject, even when they see it is wrong. No one interject; they keep quiet. And once the situation moved past, they want to apologize, like "Oh, I'm sorry for this happening." But one, two, three, four, you know, because I, I don't know. In this in this day and age, people still cannot question police officers, you know. But um, for, for a mere fact that they interjected and um, they questioned the police officers and they made demand you know they demanded they didn't, they didn't just make a uh, suggestion they demanded that i would be the last person to be checked and everyone will be checked you know if because you know they check your identification and they need to search your bag. so that is like a whole process and for them to actually say that they you know it it, it shows that uh, uh, what Kay said that you know there's 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 uh, a, a a simple human principle, you know, like being a decent person, you know, so I think if more um, people will interject, if more people would uh, not wait until the situation is gone and start to apologize, you know, and I'm not saying apologies are not good, but, you know, you need to, uh, if, if, if we, we, we talk about uh, uh, um, uh, completely destroying uh, uh, racism or how people should react in such situations it's just interjection, you know, just right there and there and act because um, yeah, it's the right thing to do
0: There's nothing I can add to that that's 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 really Just interrupt the narrative, disrupt the narrative, disrupt it, and so that new new formulations and new understandings can happen you know instead of us grappling with the same decades centuries old problems you know
1: thank you so much and i think it could not be even better words to finish this discussion and this is the best perspective and best example we could finish our today's discussion and thank you so much again thank you Kay. Thank you, Cabello, for being with us and sharing your experience and knowledge. And thank you, everyone who was attending okay. the event. Yeah, if, as a last word, if you want to say anything, there is the stage. But from our side, thank you so much. And we are so glad and so happy to have you here.
0: Yeah, I'd like to just say uh, thanks for having me and uh thanks Cabello for making the connection. It's been an enjoyable session.
3: Yeah, it's it's my pleasure. It's my pleasure, okay. And thank you very much for also making time and yeah, <laughs> disturbing you up. <laughs> For us here, yeah, it's almost bedtime. But <laughs> yeah, and um, so um, before before uh, we say our goodbye, I would just like to read something from say, Alan Pense, mm-hmm. and he said that uh, it color, I will quote him. It, color prejudice, is nothing more than the unreasoning hatred of one race for another. The concept of a stronger and the richer people for those whom they consider inferior to themselves. And the bitter resentment of those who are kept subjection and are frequently insulted. As color, it is the most obvious outward manifestation of race. It has been the criterion by which men are judged. Irrespective of the social of their social or educational attainments. The light-skinned race have come to despise all of those of a darker color, and the dark-skinned people no longer accept without protest the inferior position to which they haven't been relegated. And close quote.